0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: Thank you. I've been receiving a few texts this morning and, uh... People wondering about um, a low-flying U.S. military aircraft flying over Middleton yesterday around about quarter past half past three. Uh, A couple of people have been texting saying I saw it flying quite low over Market Green, but unfortunately it was so fast that neither of us got a picture. We both commented it was a U.S. aircraft because we could see a star on each wing. Another texter was saying something similar, saying the similar aircraft was spotted around the area last week as well. Are we being taken over or what? Uh, Don't know uh, what the story is, but um, apparently it was um, or is a military aircraft, a U.S. military aircraft. Uh, And somebody sent me a, a photograph of what the aircraft, not the actual aircraft, but an aircraft similar to it. It's called a Grumman C-2A Greyhound. Um, but there you have it nonetheless. You just don't know what's up in the sky and the reasons that they're there, she sure don't. But back down on Earth, and it makes for very depressing reading, I can tell you. Papers this morning, whether you look at the front of this morning's Echo, the front of this morning's Mirror, you look at the front of this morning's Independent... Uh, and the inside pages of The Star, it all has to do, and this, the mail as well, with people struggling with regards to the cost of living. And Katrina Trumi has some very strong words to say about the cost of living crisis on the front and inside pages of The Echo today. This is all uh, centering around a Bernardo's cost of living survey and particularly the impact Uh, on um, poverty with regards to children living in Ireland in 2023 Um, and it talks about 37% of parents having to go without or cutting down on heating, 23% having to do the same in relation to electricity and turning on and off lights, 20% of them struggling when it comes to food and nearly 30% of parents saying that they've gone without medical care Gone without medicines, gone without health assist assessments, as in not even being able to afford to go to the doctor uh, over the past six months. Um, particularly, though, obviously those with without a, a medical card. Forty-three percent said they had to cut back on um, or or reduce the amount of food that their children uh, can eat, and indeed. Um, nearly 50% of them spoke about their children having to go without new clothing or without new shoes. Isn't it awfully, awfully sad? Hunger shames is the front page in the mirror regarding this, where they say children are being sent to school without lunch uh, because their parents can't afford the meal. Bernardo's is saying that it shows how uh, cash-strapped families go to bed before nightfall to avoid having to turn lights on. Um, and indeed, I imagine January, February, March and April of this year, also, you could not just be talking about lights, but heat at home in the evening, going to bed early so that they could turn the heat off. Uh, one parent apparently in the service said, I'll only heat my child's bedroom until my son falls asleep and then I turn it off. You know, I could cry reading stories like this. I just get so down and depressed and angry about it. And then, of course, you supposedly have a, a coalition of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. So Fianna Gael, under Veradkar comes up with an idea, uh, Leo Varadkar, that they're going to give families a €1,000. Now, it might be a sop in terms of it being a, a €1,000 tax break. But you could say at least it's something. And I mentioned that only because Fianna Fáil now have come out and said, ah, oh, this is just populist. You know, this is just uh, uncosted this is nuts, nuts, this is just kite flying. Is, it, is uh, Fianna Fáil a party that are in coalition with Finnegale. last time I checked? So you see a serious lack of cohesion between the two of them. Um, you know, why, why would Fianna Fáil not say, OK, well, at least it's something. But no, they poke holes in it. But there's all sorts of grief within Cabinet, right? Between Finfall and Finnegale and the Greens. They don't always get on, but they try to cobble together and try to hang in there for the sake of staying in power. I mention that because Friends of the Mail talks about the splits in the cabinet that they're losing their grip, particularly with regards to the migrant crisis that we have in this country. So, you have in and around now, um, uh, I don't have the exact accurate figure, but we're certainly talking about at least 80,000 uh, between Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers, and there just isn't anywhere to put them. Now, They're losing control because there's infighting within government and certainly between ministers. And nobody wants to really, you know, you know, confront the elephant in the room here that if people keep coming and keep needing help and aid, where are we going to put them? But what's very interesting about this then is you have at the same time uh, the different um, uh, rallies or protests. And uh, the star this morning picks up on the masked protesters that blocked buses carrying asylum seekers. Uh, to uh, the Airways Industrial Estate Accommodation Centre in Dublin. So our figure actually is, to be more accurate, I mentioned 80,000. It's actually past 85,000 now Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers. Um, And a lot of them, of course, are coming without any place promised with regards to where they're going to live. So the papers this morning are honing in on that. At the very same time that we have serious poverty in this country and serious want, uh, with regards to the Manados report where we see children going to bed early because there's no heating and parents can't turn on the lights, they can't get new shoes, they can't get new clothes, they are, are going to school without food and parents are suffering and they can't go to the doctor and they don't have the price of pre- prescription or indeed the um, you know, the price of going to the, the GP in the first place. So that makes people very angry. It makes me very sad because you have huge amounts of money, massive amounts of money, Billions amounts of money spent then trying to help people coming into the country. And this is not to sound racist or anti immigrants. I get that people have to be able to move around the, the continent and there is a war in Ukraine. And, you know, I understand that people are fleeing all sorts of issues in their own countries. But when you look at the want that already exists in the country, you wonder, uh, this is not sustainable. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad enough that we had two, two and a half years of COVID and all the lockdowns that came with it. And the impact on that with regards to the elderly has been absolutely catastrophic, physically and mentally. Their mental health was really torn to shreds in many cases. And this morning, the Independent says that in the age group 75 to 84s, they were the worst hit uh, by the winter's excess deaths that we heard of in the winter just gone. So that's the category, 75 to 84. flu. You know, COVID-19, other viruses, uh, old age stuff, I, I get that, and, and things that people will naturally die of. You have to put that into the mix as well. But also many couldn't get the medical help that they needed and they couldn't access health care. So here's more crisis and chaos in an already existing Ireland as if things aren't going to get a hell of a lot worse. But you have to wonder, you know, with regards to the elderly who had a, a lovely routine going on in their lives, many of them, you know, they would get out on a daily basis, they would walk, they would meet friends, they would go, you know, maybe for a swim or uh, many were in the gym and they'd be up on a treadmill or they'd be, you know, meeting their friends to keep themselves cognitively aware. Then you have COVID comes along and all that stops. And, and in some cases, their mental decline, their psychological decline was rapid. And unfortunately, I think it also brought on probably early dementia with people. And all of this had to do uh, with restrictions that have happened uh, over the, the COVID period. It's, and I, I'm not, I'm not debating here as to whether that was right or wrong. We were living at a time of, of panic and fear and uncertainty, but the consequences of it. Your thoughts on that are welcome, incidentally. If you have a story to share like that, text 0868104106. And um, there's interesting news with regards to Debenhams. It has now been sold for an awful lot less than had been asked for. They, originally the asking price was 20 million. Elveries have bought it for 12 million. Well, below nearly half the price of the original purchase. It's a 1.6 acre site. You know it. It's Debenham's, and before that, it was Roach's Stores. It's been there. Uh, for many, many, many years. Uh, and uh, it employs, Elvery's anyway, employs 700 people across 47 stores. And they already operate here in Cork. But the question being asked by some people at this stage is, do we need another sports store? It's an iconic building and good luck to them. They own it now. They're only going to, according to the examiner this morning, Tommy Barker says, they're only reopening the front portion of the uh, retail building uh, on the city's main thoroughfare. thoroughfare. Um What they're going to do with the rest of it all the way back and then all the floors above it, I have no idea. Uh, But uh, Kevin did some work on it uh, earlier on this morning with regards to the amount of sports stores that we have in in Cork City Centre. We'll come back to those in, in a minute, if you don't mind. Uh, but the question being asked is: Do we not already have enough of them? Uh, and also, while that's happening, oh, in English, uh, the go-to guy actually on Lee side when it comes to the event centre, uh, he's got a bit of an update uh, in the Examiner today. You know, the Brewery Quarter Plaza that's in the front of the old counting house that's going to remain closed and won't be open to the public uh, until uh, the building is occupied. And and, and you can, okay, so you can accept that. But BAM are. Um, There's some kind of an update with regards to the conference center. They've confirmed to own English that they're still progressing with the detailed design and up-to-date costings for the long-stalled event center. Um, And they figure, or at least they anticipate, that they'll be on site in the third quarter of this year, which should be October um, of 2023, October this year. So that's when they're talking about. Anticipating building starting. But let me just remind you, because Owen English does, that the sod for this 6,000 capacity venue was turned back in February 2016, right? So that is seven years and three months ago. (laughs) I mean, seven years and three months ago Um, and we've got a lot of skin in the game Uh, only last year, Own English reminds us that the government gave an additional 7 million euro funding towards the project which means that we're in the hole for this now for 57 million that's the total amount of taxpayers' money uh, in the project and uh, it's supposed to be delivered by BAM and Live Nation at some stage and we're contributing 57 million to it and we're over seven years down the track I mean, God (laughs) almighty we, 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 I mean, please don't tell me we were looking at the 10th anniversary. What do you get for a 10th anniversary? What kind of stone is that? Or what kind of um, precious, precious gem? Oh, over in Wexford, then, there's an update in This Morning Star that talks about a couple who uh, are set to stand trial. These are charges relating to the dog attack on Alejandro Mazzan. And he was left with awful injuries to his face. Uh, he continues to recover uh, the misfortune, but he's back in school and everything, but he got very badly uh, savage. You might remember the, the story, the dog ripped off his bottom lip and mauled his cheeks and all his body and his legs and everything. I was talking to his brother on the air a few times, the brother a little nine-year-old. But they're due before the court. The matter has been listed for trial now with regards to this. It was a pit bull which wasn't on a lead that viciously attacked the boy. Um, and then there was a, a, an argy-bargy uh, <laughs> which Michael Lister's got involved in now. You know, the Sunday game, I don't know whether you you saw that um, bit of a spat between Joanne Cantwell and our own Donal O'G Cusack. Uh, He's a panellist and she, of course, is the host. Uh, Michael Lister says, yeah, um, you know, the Sunday game has got a lot spikier since my day, he says. He says the worst, and he's talking to uh, the Sun this morning, he says the worst that used to happen to me when I was hosting the Sunday game is that somebody might call you a bollocks. (laughs) while you were while you were while you were queuing at Dublin airport or you might be walking down the street with would call oh, bollocks what
2: why? Why would you call him Michael Lester as well of all people? He probably people, said like something the now. host.
1: Yeah, I and he's the, most,
2: he's the most inoffensive guy <laughs> yeah, in the world. He's the most inoffensive man on television. I can't very imagine passionate anybody. about their teams, right? Ah, yeah. And, and so they should be. But I suppose the Don Logue thing, like I I watched the clip and I suppose you might want to play it beforehand before I kind of launch into to what I felt about it. But I just felt like he handled the whole thing for a guy who's done so much and has sat around tables. You know, he's almost like, he's almost like GA's answer to a Union rep really no
1: and he has done incredible work Amazing. for the workers over the years particularly Amazing. during but the strike like,
2: this was it, it was like an I argument think, you'd have as a, a six year old I was the just thinking I
1: was out one morning a few years back seven eight nine years ago it was a beautiful sunny morning before I went to work and I was walking around the park outside with a cup of coffee or something you know out in the green area where I live <laughs> and, this, and this jogger you know he's jogging up the Douglas Road and he's jogging away man now maybe, maybe in his thirties kind of thing and, and he's passing the gates just a big wall there. And he sees me and he shouts it. You're nothing but an effing bollocks.
2: I'm <laughs> like, <laughs>
3: What do you say that standing me?
1: there with a cup of coffee saying, what the hell? I thought he was supposed to be
2: out jogging and enjoying himself. Like, he's got serious anger issues if he's shouting bollocks no, at me. There used, there used to be a joke. I think a comedian once said, look, the next time I see a jogger smiling, I'll go for a jog.
1: <laughs> no, but I thought it was supposed to be a happy place he was in. I mean, anyway, here's the audio. So just talk us into this quickly, if you can.
2: Yeah, so this was on last, oh my God, was it last Saturdays? or? Doesn't matter the weekend, it's Yeah. The the it was a hurling um, it, was a hur- it was a hurling game up in, up in Tarlis uh, the sun was shining um, they were sitting down this was off the back of the comments that he had made on Morty Radio 1 I think the previous Friday about uh, basically the, the Talchin Cup which is kind of the secondary competition for GA so if you, if you come said, out if you get knocked out you're he says chat. it was the
1: Gaelic Football Grand National for disappointed also around disappointed also around uh, ok yeah. so Joanne took him up on that
4: you went on Morning Ireland just over a week ago and made these disparaging remarks Marks about the Talching Cup. Why would you do that?
3: So, uh, that's, uh, so we're here to talk about hurling. Now we're talking about Gaelic football. Yep. W- did you hear the programme? I did. Yes. Do you listen to it every week? Yes. What's the premise of it?
4: What's the premise? A hurling yeah. nation. But but that's regardless. You came out and you decided to talk about the Talchin Cup and refer to it as a Grand National for non-runners. I'm just or for also runs. Why would you do that?
3: Were they were were, were they happy to be in that? The, are they are they happy to be in the Talchum Cup?
4: But that doesn't really matter. They're happy to have... Don't
3: oh, you ask me, you're asking me... Okay, well, I would me, say... You're asking me, you're asking what I said. First of all, we're here to talk about one of the best hurling days now that we have in hurling. Yes. Right? You can listen to me every Friday morning if you want, and just after <laughs> half is <laughs> seven. Okay? He gets, it, he gets right? in his <laughs> ad, okay? yes. Yeah? So, you're asking me a question about what I actually said. I'm explaining to you what he said.
4: Well you said it's yeah. a Grand National for Alterand. You said are they happy to be Not exactly what he said. Uh, for sorry. It is. You said no, it's I'm a grand national. Well tell us what you, you said, said then.
3: No no, you were listening to it, you tell me. Well
4: you said it's a grand national for all therans.
3: Joanne, we're here to talk about Holland and the next time you come asking me the questions, make sure you quote me correctly.
4: Well then tell us the quote. Was no, it no, not no. a Grand National for Allsurans? You
3: started. You didn't you didn't quote me correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk okay. about the Hurling. No first. I've given most of my life or a lot of my energy or as much as anybody else making the lot of uh, hurlers, Gaelic footballers, and over the last couple of years um, camogie players and ladies footballers delighted to say it to try and make their lot better so I don't need any advice from anybody in that territory thanks very much
4: do you think secondary competitions are really important including say the Talchon Cup for footballers
3: of course you must have secondary competitions you want a proper development path where everybody can see a pathway all the way to the, to the top of the game there's no question there Joanne listen at 25 to 8 on a, on a, on a Friday morning and you might get a better feel for he's promoted games. the Talchon Cup better than anybody
4: in the last week or two I'd say more people talking about it now. We'll be we talking. Thanks about her? So very much talk.
1: <laughs> We'll be we talking about her, Lee? Yeah, but the one thing he didn't do when she asked him on a number of occasions was to tell her exactly what he did say. So oh, I just I... thought
2: I thought it was so childish. Like I mean, and i look. I think Donald Hogg has done a huge amount for for Kirk Hurling, but I thought all he had to do was say. That's not what I said. This what I what actually I said. said was this: Let's have a conversation about what I actually said. So he didn't but
1: clarify.
2: He didn't. And oh, okay. then when she tried to clarify, he just said, "Oh, I don't want to talk about. it Let's yeah. talk about hurling." But yeah. you can't come on a national program. Well, you mean what say you should call, stand over what he did say? Well, then? you can't call a, a competition like the Talchin Cup a dis, you know a competition for disappointed also runs, and then not But is
1: it is that not what it is, that how it, how it is? I I know. It,
2: look, it's and don't want to get too technical here. Yeah, I don't I appreciate. I, yeah, okay. But look, it is it is essentially an opportunity for smaller counties to play on a bigger stage without being knocked out of the provincial championship but well,
1: why, so, why can't he why can't he say that if he feels it without everybody getting upset or taking umbrage to what everybody says he's
2: entitled to have that opinion but why didn't he just say that then instead of saying it's a dis- it's a competition for disappointed also there's a lot of co- teams are in the Talchin Cup finals no, and they, it makes okay, their season because it, it, they're in the final okay, of the but competition but it's his opinion that's fine but at least stand over your opinion then if you're going to make it as opposed to trying to pick out exactly well I didn't exactly say this and by the way like she what she quoted him that's pretty much what he said. Like he might, she might have used. Is the there audio of a Morning Ireland saying what he did I say available? No, there will be. There, w- there will be if you give me a few. All some, right, let's, let's let's do, so them do that. Exactly what, what he did. I just say. thought right. if you're gonna make an argument, like. It's fine if she completely misquoted him, if she was way off the record or she didn't provide context to it. But she listened to the program, she provided the context to it, and instead of doing that, he just said, "Well, let's talk about hurling." It's like, well, if you're going to comment on football, then be prepared to be asked questions about what you've been, what you've said. You know?
1: Okay, let's let's see if we can find the audio from Morning Ireland. See what it has to say. There's another guy-related story making the Echo today. Actually, you know where they're talking about uh, games being cashless. Well, apparently, the Cork County GAA, Cork County Council wrote uh, to the Cork County GAA board um, to ask them. To uh, at least have one uh, cash entrance uh, to be maintained at all games, uh, and they've been they they said that they've been unbelievably insulted because the Cork GAA County Board uh, have failed to respond to Cork County Council's request that at least one cash uh, gate should be left open. So does that mean that? the guy ga- games would be cashless then
2: yeah it seems like they're very very clear on going cashless now the G, not even one not even G- one well, but yeah What's the, the GA say well you can go to uh, like a local Super value or a centre who are there commercial partners and you could buy a ticket there if you want in cash um, you know they say there's other ways to buy in cash if you want but you can't just rock up at the turnstile and pay cash which I mean Look, oh, Sporting, <laughs> like, I can't understand why you can't just like. I mean, I don't. One turnstile. Pay, well, One turnstile. even if it's not paying on the turnstile, if there's like a little hut where you can buy a ticket, like Cork City, you can't p- pay cash at the turnstile. But there is a, a so little, Cork City a, have, a, a have, have an option for cash. You can you can just go in and buy, pay for a ticket with cash, and that's then that's bring smart. Ticket. Yeah, I just I don't understand why they would why they would turn so many of those fans away. Okay, you know, just, okay. just
1: another few stories in the papers this morning. Uh, Ralph Harris has died at the age of 93. This Independent this morning say serial paedophile pop singer and disgraced ex-children's TV star Ralph Harris dies at the age of 93. And of course, we all know of the court cases uh, involving Harris and the time that he spent in jail. Um, uh, he was cremated, apparently, uh, privately and had lived the last few years of his life, as, life as, a, as a total recluse. But, but I see, actually, staying with television, that um, they're already starting to turn the screws on Patrick Keelty. Um, some of the stories with regards to the new Late Late Show host include ones that he's going to have to da- dash and he'll only have 12 hours from finishing the Late Late Show to get back to his BBC studios in the north to host his Saturday radio programme. Is that doable? And indeed, Fiona Looney in the Mail this morning says that uh, she lived in London for many years in the 1990s and even though she tried her best uh, while not living in Ireland to stay in touch with Ireland, you lose the pulse of the country if you're not living in it. She says, can Kiltys remote late, late, ever feel the Irish pulse if he's not living amongst us uh, all of the time. And the Italians are rowing in now on the new Irish label um, on alcohol. Now, there'll be calories on it and there'll be warnings about, you know, drinking too much and and cancer and drinking while pregnant. The Italians don't like us doing this. The French don't like us doing this. The Portuguese don't like us doing this because they're huge exporters and growers of of, uh, grapes for wines. And now the Italians are saying... This is not a good idea. It's not what you drink that will kill you. It's how much you drink will kill you. And these labels are just going to make out that alcohol, or indeed wine, is bad for you. Papers also this morning talk of, uh, uh, some, I mean, it's amazing the amount of money that people have, but the independent of a story of a 45-year-old millionaire, he's actually a tech billionaire, he has now spent $2 million dollars, every year to stay young using blood infusions from his 17 year old son as part of the process i have to say he's 45 and his son is 17 and on the photograph that makes the independent today it seems to me as if it's working to be quite honest with you. He looks like his son's older brother. I mean, it's astonishing. Some might say more money than sense. And just to clarification, you're, uh, somebody's taking me to the tram- task saying, your maths are absolutely appalling. The third quarter begins in July, not October. <laughs> You're right. The fourth quarter is October. The third quarter is indeed July. That's in reference to when will the convention centre actually be built. We're at the seventh anniversary of it now. And apparently um, when it comes to uh, the, you know, the wedding anniversaries and the things that it's called, like, for instance, uh, you know, a 25th would be silver and a 50th would be would be gold. The seventh anniversary of the sod turning for the convention centre is known as copper and wood Copper and wood, just for the record.
5: Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. We get to the phone lines, uh,
1: Georgina. We've spoken in the past, and it's great to update with her again. Georgina, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Now, can you hear me okay? I can
6: indeed.
1: Okay, you're not on speaker or anything, are you? Sorry, I was. OK, just to call off the speaker because it's not the same quality. Um, lovely to catch up again. And there's great news, isn't it? There's always hope you should never give up. What, 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 what was the number of miscarriages? Um,
6: 23.
1: 23. And 23. six days ago, you gave birth to a healthy baby girl. I did. Yeah. I did. Oh, my God. It really is don't give up hope, isn't it?
6: She's uh, definitely. I mean, she's a little miracle. We she was she was given to us unexpectedly. We weren't we weren't planning, or we weren't really we weren't even hopeful, I suppose. But um, yeah, randomly, we just done a test, and it was positive, and it kind of took off from there. But um, after speaking to you the last time on the show, we had an topic pregnancy, so they actually removed one of my tubes. And they told me that the other two was so badly scarred that the chances of me even carrying a pregnancy again were were very slim. Isn't that It amazing? would end up in another a, a topic. So I suppose we gave up hope. We gave up things. We just kind of started moving on with life and yeah. trying to deal with not being able to have any more kids after going through so much. And then we found out we were pregnant and there was a whirlwind of emotions not knowing what to expect, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, we found out and we got in contact with Professor O'Donnell, uh, the doctor who has been with us through our whole journey. So she has then booked us in for every second week. They kept a very, very close eye on
1: Very enough. close eye. When we spoke to you, I think it was probably about, was it as far back as 2018?
6: Yeah, it was about four years, four or five years four ago. Four or yeah.
1: five years ago. Because I remember that your son, Leon, was born many years ago, right? And then, well, it was it at least 10 years ago, was it? 19 in June. Okay, so 19 years ago. I'm just trying to remember the, the numbers. And then after that, it was literally miscarriage after miscarriage, 23 in total.
6: 23 in total, yeah.
1: And yeah. every one of them as heartbreaking as the one before, or maybe worse.
6: They they got, in one sense, it, it became kind of... Came the normal, so it was always expected. If we fell pregnant, it was it was expected almost. So you'd build up a barrier against yourself just to protect your own your own mental health. Um, so every time I fell pregnant and I seen that test, it was I, I suppose I felt sorrow and not joy. It was okay. I know where this is going. Um, the last pregnancy before Baby Riley that that ended in an ectopic yeah. was actually. The only pregnancy we had hope for, yeah, because everything was going as it should have went, but then it ended in disaster I suppose
0: can i have um, a listen,
1: can I ever listen yeah, I know that was that, that was tragic, and you were thinking that this one with riley would would end up the very same, you know it'd be a twenty fourth miscarriage, but can I just play a clip of uh, of our chat uh which would be back as you say in and around uh, early two thousand and 18 and you'd had 18 miscarriages at this stage just hold on
6: when you fall pregnant it's a happy moment for every person until until it happens and then that's when you deal with a miscarriage but for me when I fall pregnant it's tears of fear it's just pressure it's anxiety it's I know what's coming and there's nothing I can do to stop it and I don't think, no matter how much you try to think, it's not going to happen.
1: And do you think that back. that fear and that anxiety could result in the miscarriage, do
5: you think?
6: I think it could play, definitely can play a factor in, in miscarrying. But for me personally, I think it's more down to my blood group.
1: Your blood group, yeah. yeah. And then you see others then who can knock babies out of the park, like no bother at all. How do you feel about that? Envy?
6: I don't... I don't envy anybody that... I wouldn't be... I wouldn't envy anybody that fell pregnant and had a child or I don't think that no one deserves to have kids. I know other people's opinions would be different. But for me, um, the way I would think mentally is what's meant to be won't pass you by. So I'd never begrudge anybody of having a child. Like, you're given that. I think there's a reason you're giving it. And there's a reason I was given this Cross the bear. And the way I look at it is, I'm still standing. i I can still get on with life. Do
1: people ever say to you things like, "Ah, oh, sure, it happens. Like, it'll, yeah, you'll get pregnant. You know, it'll happen. It's one of these things. Don't worry about it. Get over
2: it." We've had we've had a lot of
6: comments from different areas. Why are we bothering? Um, we've won already. That should be more than enough. You should be happy with that. There is there's several comments that are passed, and I think it's all wrong. You you know, it, them comments probably hurt more than going through the physical miscarriage.
1: That was you in 2018. It's a very interesting point you made there. What's meant for you won't pass you by. Remember that?
6: And I, I always believed in it. Always. I still stand by it. <laughs> so when things were going right, that's the first quote I used, because look, it's meant to be.
1: What's meant for you won't pass you by. And what, what like, was there a lot of worry or anxiety during the pregnancy then, before Riley was born?
6: I think, so when we found out we were pregnant, it was we went for a scan, and our first scan, we were able to see her, which is something we never got to see. So it was kind of, there was a little glimmer of hope, I suppose, um, and then the next scan, we were able to see her heartbeat. You know, so every scan we went to, it was progressing to things that we had never witnessed before. Yeah. Um and even though we were seeing progression, I think for myself, I built up a barrier. Just, I, I always had it there in the back of my head. It's going to be taken away from me. Yeah. So I kind of had a de- detachment until about 23 weeks, until I knew she, it was a viable pregnancy.
1: Then you started then, to get confident, is it?
6: Yeah, so from 23 weeks, it was then I started to accept that I was pregnant. And tell us a
1: little bit about, about how Ken was feeling, your partner. How was he feeling at the... All along
6: he he had just as much nerves as I had, um our son actually believe it or not, was the most positive Leon. from the beginning, yeah, Leon kept us going. he was like, "This is it, ma'am, it's okay, you know we we've got there um, his dad and I were we were up and down um, oh, afraid story. to accept, I suppose, but my fear didn't kick in until thirty eight when I hit thirty weeks pregnant it was then the the severe fear hit me because Why? we were so close but so far.
1: So the when you think, "Oh, I'm in touching her. distance now," something's going to happen, is it?
6: Yeah, yeah. So from thirty weeks, it was it was mentally tough. Just that I was so, I you said I was so close but so far. Um, and now she, the weeks just kind of flew in and flew by.
1: And was the bo- was the birth and the delivery then and seeing her very emotional.
6: Extremely Extremely um, I remember Looking up at Ken when she Was born She was born Very quick Labour was 45 minutes So she Made her entrance Into the world Yeah very she was In a hurry yeah. <laughs> yeah But I remember I looked up at Ken after I gave birth And his face Was just soaked With tears So he was Watching the whole Birth So he was Actually crying Before she was Even out
1: Oh but, Georgina um, It's so gr- Sorry And was Leon Was Leon the same
6: Oh my god he's ecstatic ecstatic he always wanted to have another sibling and to wait i suppose 19 years but the staff in the CUH actually brought leon into the labor room after she was born and got allowed for him to meet her so it was it was quite a special moment with all four of us there at one time but he's floating on cloud nine
1: that's uh, a fabulous story. It's great to to recap on stories like yours that have a great, happy, positive ending. And six days ago, um, she burst into the world, uh, little baby Riley. Um, what what words of advice would you give to people who just have miscarriage after miscarriage and and feel like it's never going to happen for them?
6: There is never give up. There's always a reason, you know, and. My doctor, Dr. Keelan O'Donoghue, Professor Keelan O'Donoghue, she had always told me that it was only something small. We just have to find it. We just have to figure out what the something small was. So doctors in general, you know, even if they tell you the chances have slimmed or your chances of non-existence, miracles do happen. Yeah, yeah. And, you yeah. know, things things have a funny way. Life yeah. has a funny way of adjusting and throwing little Things in the way as you go, I suppose. Um, but I would never give up hope. Never give up hope. I couldn't do without the care of Professor O'Donnell's team. You know, they they were fantastic. Well, you found yeah. a way. Yeah. Your
1: body found a way. Do you do you call Riley your miracle baby?
6: Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: okay. definitely. And oh. Riley, Riley has um, an inch on the way, so Leon's expecting as well. Oh, In four lovely. Time, so. Leon's, <laughs> Leon and his partner. Isn't it going to be a wonderful, wonderful summer? <laughs> well done. <laughs> I'm delighted. Listen, Thank thanks, for, thanks for allowing us to catch up and thanks for sharing that fabulous news all these years later. 23 miscarriages later, and along she comes, the miracle baby. Great to chat to Georgina. Regards to all of the family, all right? Thank you so much. Take care, take care. Bye. Hope people find that inspiring, uh, particularly if, for instance, you are yourself going through the struggles of trying to uh, not not necessarily conceive, uh, but to uh, carry a baby to term. Um, unfortunately, we don't talk enough about miscarriages and stories like that should be an inspiration and uh, maybe a bit of positivity for people who themselves feel that it will never happen for them. Uh, text 0868 Here's just, just a little bit of audio because I just want to go back to the Donalogue story with Joanne Cantwell about uh, you know what he did say or what he didn't say um, this is the clip actually from Morning Ireland so it's Don Logue's comments on his Hurling Nation uh, column on Morning Ireland from the from the 12th of May it's a short clip, it's 23 seconds this is apparently what he did say
3: Mad ma, fellow citizens of Hurling Nation Ein himpa well, the microwave hurling championship gets a little chance to breathe this weekend. The GA schedule has two provincial football finals and the start of the Talton Cup, which, if you haven't heard of, is a sort of Gaelic football Grand National for disappointed rents. This means that we've won big hurling game at tea time on Saturday, and available for viewing, you know where. So, he did say it then.
2: Um, yeah, he absolutely said it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's like, I uh, know. No, he might say, "Well, I said it's like a disappointed." I didn't say it was a disappointed, but I mean, it's essentially saying the same thing. You're saying the Talchin Cup is like the Grand National. So he
1: should have stood. He should have stood over that.
2: Look, I think he should have just said, "This is what I said." This is why I said it: the talchin Cup, do, you know, isn't as in significant or as important as the GA Hurling Championship. The GA Hurling Championship has been pushed into this very, very oh, no, okay. narrow well, window. He, he, yeah, he didn't it say was it was Sunday, by the way. He said those comments. It was ahead My of the Cork uh, okay. claire Hurling yeah. match, but yeah, I mean, I, and his point is a fair enough one. I mean, his point is a fair enough one that they're hurling and people feel like with GA Go, we had that conversation recently about that being put on Cork Tip was put on GA Go instead of being put on the telly, and there's a sort of a uh, they love promoting hurling because it's a fast, exciting sport. But at the same time, when it comes to actually watching it, they put football first. And I can understand his point. But if you're being challenged on that on national TV, then that's a great opportunity to say that instead of trying to, you know, deflect from, deflect and, from yeah, yeah.
1: dance around what he did. And I, and exactly. I have great time for Donald Og, incidentally. And he, was, he, he played an absolute blinder through the strike and the issues regarding the... Uh, particularly the hurlers, but, um, I understand what you're saying, but that, that's a clarification. That's the actual audio that he did say, and it rings true with regards to what Joanne canswell said uh, on the Sunday game. Back after the break.
5: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106, Red FM. Just
1: quickly, to the person who said my maths were appalling about the third quarter or the fourth quarter of the year, you also should be mentioning, he said, that Cork's uh, Eddie Dunbar is now up to fifth in the Giro d'Italia, which is the second biggest cycling race in the world, and thank you for pointing that out, and good luck to him in that. But I want to turn back to an appalling story, of course, it is absolutely appalling the state that many Irish people and families find themselves in with regards to not being able to afford uh, to look after themselves or their children or put food on the table or put on even put on the lights going to bed early, not being able to get new clothes or shoes for the kids and not being able to give them food going to or a bit of food in their stomach going to uh, school in the morning it's going to be even harder now across the summer of course because you're going to look for activity for the children and no money to pay it for they've cut back on their children's entertainment, they've cut back on all sorts of social activity for their children. They can't go to the doctor. They can't get proper medical care. They don't have medical cards, so they can't get uh, pharmacies, uh, pharmaceutical products at the pharmacy. Uh, strap families are going to bed early so that they can cut down on light and indeed heat. It is absolutely appalling when it comes to the cost of living crisis. Uh, and I wanted to talk to Kaz Mooney, uh, who's a budgeting planner. In fact, there's a great new book out. Um, I don't know even if Kaz Mooney can walk us through this how people can budget when they just don't have. But Kaz, good morning.
7: Morning, Neil. How so are you?
1: I'm good. But by way of introduction, you just heard what I had to say there. Where and yeah. the na- where by by some stretch or a miracle can people budget when they don't have it to budget anyway?
7: Yeah, I'm not surprised by those headlines because they're the same messages I'm getting every day from people, um, and it is it's so difficult, um, honestly. Um, it's about making small changes, and that can feel so overwhelming when you're struggling already. Um, but it is about those very small changes.
1: Yeah, um, in, in where would where would you start though? Um, because, so, like, is is it in yeah. is it in you know, what you put into a trolley in in the supermarket? Is it is it pre planning? <laughs> Is it only making one shop a week? Is it cutting down in online? What What is it like?
7: Yeah, so the very first thing you definitely should do if you want to take control of your money is to look back at where your money went last month um, because it's very hard to make changes unless you know where your money went. So I definitely recommend doing that. And I know you might be struggling at the moment, but you might be surprised there is always areas that, Um, you might be able to tweak um, for example looking at subscriptions and direct debits um, also looking at um, where your money is going in regards to food for sure um, maybe even fuel in the car at the weekends and things like that so it's about making those small changes and once you've seen where your money's going it's then deciding from there where you're going to put that money towards. So I'd recommend anyone who doesn't already have one, building up some kind of an emergency fund um, because it means when there's a sudden crisis to your budget, you have that money there. So That's the first
1: thing you now, should Now, Re- Revolut is good. If you buy everything on Revolut, it's very handy because you can literally look on the app and see everything you spent, when you spent it, where you spent it, and the time you spent it. But if you don't have Revolut, yeah. should people be spending time now looking and holding on to receipts and studying the last month or whatever?
7: Yeah, or if you mostly use your card, it will all be on online banking. So you'll be able to look at your transactions. And I recommend getting a highlighter and just highlighting them by category because otherwise it can look so overwhelming. So if you highlight all the food and eating out in one colour and maybe you might highlight coffees in another colour, anywhere you think um, that all the different categories and then you can write them down and it's quite startling when you look at those figures um I know we ourselves we were really struggling but we still when we looked at the figures we did realize there was emotional spending at the start of the month where we felt like we were struggling so much at the end of last month that we were going to treat ourselves and get a takeaway and things like that So you might be surprised when you look at those figures. There might be still areas that you can um, tweak a little bit. So
1: you're saying, believe me, believe me when I say that you may not think you have it, but if you really drill into it, there are savings that could be made. Are people tapping too much?
7: Oh, absolutely. Um, Especially since the limit got increased. Um, Yeah, definitely. Something I do is I am back to cash and I find that, such an amazing tool because if I go into the shop with 20 euro I'm not going to spend over that 20 euro that's all I have in my hand you know so um it's such a great um way of getting back to um taking control of your money it's tangible it's in your hand
1: yeah and and you you, you're aware of it when it's cash I suppose more than just a tap you know the tap yeah. is kind of putting things off for the never never or somewhere down the road, exactly. I suppose. You know, yeah, yeah.
7: yeah. And, and often those taps only come in later as pending transactions, so you often don't see them till later. Mm,
1: mm, mm. You know, when you when you talk about what people eat, though, you know, say for instance in, in in supermarkets and doing just one big shop, is it should people pre-plan before they go what they need rather than spontaneous purchases in a supermarket?
7: Absolutely. Um, it's about making that shopping list and deciding your meal plan. Um, I often find a meal before I've even left the house that you mightn't have realised is in the cupboard. Yeah. Um, and I have a section in the book actually where you can plan those meals. So you might just need one item or another item. So then you, you're reducing your food costs immediately before you've left.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's also the area of you know convenience food versus healthy food. Um, yeah. You know, frozen products uh, as opposed to fresh. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. W- 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 are you an advocate of looking for deals, looking for two for ones? If if the frozen option is cheaper, buy it rather than fresh.
7: Absolutely. Um, if I can get it for less, I definitely will. Often frozen is. Um, the same, if not better, nutritionally, so that's great. Um, but, yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I don't really buy very many jars. I make everything myself, um, and it might cost you a bit more initially to buy the seasonings for your sauces, but then the payoff is over the weeks coming, you have that um, ingredients there to make more meals. For do, you
1: batch, do you batch cook?
7: Oh, yeah it's a great great time and money saver Um, yeah absolutely I'll make a couple of meals put them into some freezer bags and pop them into the freezer and then you can just pop them into the slow cooker are
1: there savings to be made with regards to utilities and phones and you uh, you know life insurance or home insurance or car insurance and things if people look for better deals
7: yeah, absolutely. Shop around, look for all the best deals. The only thing with them is to, of course, make sure that you're getting um, the best value, too, because you don't want to be caught out when, say, you have to make a claim on your insurance and you haven't got everything that you thought you did. Yeah. So just make sure you're getting the most for your money there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Absolutely.
1: OK, I'm going to run rapidly out of time, but there's just one final thing that I want to ask you, because part of the book deals with kids and money, teaching children yeah. the value. What, what, what are you drilling into in that aspect?
7: I recommend being open with your kids about money. I'm not saying um, tell them everything, you know, <laughs> put it all on their shoulders, but start to get them used to the idea of money and handling money give them pocket money even if it's just a little bit Um, just to get them used to actually spending money themselves it's a great tool um, especially during the summer to um, give them some money instead of buying them things because it gives them the choice but
1: should they be made made aware though that um, that parents are finding it difficult that they can't send them to a summer camp or they can't you know have as many the treats they can't have the new runners because the money just isn't there
7: yeah so with regards to that um i i recommend maybe saying to them yeah we can't do it right now but we've started saving so that you'll be able to go somewhere maybe later in the summer or and um, we'll go on a family trip so definitely word it in the right way but yeah i think it's really important to be open um i feel like money hasn't been spoken enough to our generation Mm -hmm. so i definitely feel for the next generation how can we learn about money if you don't share um, how
1: you're doing. and Give them how the you're tools. Yeah, give it. them the tools. Yeah. Give them the information that they need. Appreciate it, Kaz. Good to catch up. Thank you so much for taking the call. Kaz Mooney's book is called you. Budget, Budgeting Planner. It's available on all good uh, bookshops and indeed online. Taking control of your money. And trying to reach and achieve your financial goals. Text one oh four one oh six on that one, and we're back after ten.
8: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive.
5: Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Okay, also more opportunities
1: to win for yourself the Super Deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue. Courtesy of ourselves in Wood Garden Centre and Cafe down in Castle Martyr. I'll tell you more about that. Throughout the course of the morning. This is a beautiful, beautiful uh, Genesis gas grill barbecue. It's valued at, you'd be paying 1900 euro if you were to buy it, but I will be giving it away on Friday morning's program. Uh, from yesterday, uh, we were talking about the cost of baby formula and the fact that it's just gone, um, I don't know, it's at least 30, maybe 35% dearer now. And this would be a staple, this would be a necessity. And got us talking then about baby formula versus breastfeeding. Um, and Jim says everything is stacked against a young Irish. Girl who wants to have a baby right down to the promotions that are done in our supermarkets like Dunn's not letting you use your vouchers for the baby formula. This is an EU directive. So any new mother who can't breastfeed is being penalized and forced to pay the high prices. I didn't know that actually, uh, that you couldn't use uh, vouchers in supermarkets against baby formula. Another texter says, I just wanted to share my thoughts and experiences on breastfeeding. I had my first baby during the pandemic and it was the toughest time of my life. I had a C-section and I was allowed in the hospital for four days all in my own, with no partner or visitors because of COVID. My whole world had turned upside down with becoming a mom and I wanted to breastfeed and I was trying to figure it all out as a new mom. Nobody warns you or tells you how hard and painful breastfeeding actually is. The first three weeks of my breastfeeding journey was the worst of my life. I was in excruciating pain. I was trying to recover from major surgery, I was exhausted, my hormones were all over the place, and I remember bawling, crying while feeding a very hungry baby boy every one to two hours through blistering and bleeding nipples. All the while, my friends who had babies at the same time still had lovely, uh, unchanged breasts, and their babies were sleeping through the night full up on formula. From four weeks on, everything settled, and I fed him every two hours till he was six months old when I had to wean as I was returning to work. With my second baby Breastfeeding was so much easier And not as painful at all Again I only stopped breastfeeding Because I had to go back to work So in my opinion I think breastfeeding rates are low Because women and first time mothers Are not prepared enough for it And how difficult it is Both physically and mentally Also some women don't want their bodies to change Or don't want to be tied To the constant feeding every few hours When babies are formula fed The babies are fuller for longer and dad can give bottles too so mummies will get a break also breastfeeding does not work with most career choices very interesting text and thank you for it and there's many more like that then uh, cow's milk inhibits the baby from absorbing vitamin d it's very dangerous before 12 months old because I was wondering what is the difference between say cow's milk and and formula regarding the breastfeeding years ago at mass one Sunday a woman started breastfeeding and the priest actually stopped the mass in disgust everyone wondered what was going on and after a few minutes the woman left the church with the baby it was absolutely awful yes it was and very ignorant as well Uh, but maybe we could say those were the days I breastfed my four children until they were a year old. My daughter's now 20, and when I had her, my milk hadn't come. She was supplemented with a bottle, but it didn't affect my supply later. I certainly got support from the hospital. My son, who's 32, was born in the Bonds. A nun came to visit me, and she said she was delighted to see me breastfeeding and to keep up the good work, (laughs) says the nun. My mother's group in Australia had 8 out of 10 of us breastfeeding. She was in a a mother's group in Australia 8 out of 10 were breastfeeding It was just the normal thing to do The other two couldn't But only because of medical conditions No one ever raised an eyebrow With regards to breastfeeding in public Until I went to Ireland on holiday I hope that's changed though You know, Just one or two more in relation to breastfeeding I I combination fed my twins As my milk was slow to come Because they were born 7 weeks prematurely I didn't get any support from the CUMH Or the public health nurse I was actually advised uh, by my public health nurse not to breastfeed as I would be so tied down to it. I had to get help from outside to help me. And looking back now, I found women are more discouraging than men, especially older women. I actually had a work colleague say that she thought it was disgusting to breastfeed in public. Delighted that you're talking about this. Uh, Same for us two years ago. We breastfed the first night and they took the child away to NEO and then fed him with bottles. The child would not go back to breast. Um, I'm just very interested listening about breastfeeding. I breastfed all three boys, and I loved it. And finally, um, with regards to being pregnant and alcohol, so if you drink alcohol while pregnant, it's bad for the little miracle baby growing inside you? Wow. Who would have thought? Are we all after losing our marbles over the last few years? Nobody in their right mind would drink alcohol while pregnant, would they? this is not news. Stop this nonsense. I literally can't believe this has even been talked about in 2023. Angela from Cargoline. Well, it is being talked about because it will have alcohol, will have warnings on the bottle um, that, uh, you know, drinking alcohol while pregnant can damage the baby. And you're saying everybody knows that. Nobody drinks while pregnant. Fair enough. Text 0868 back after the break.
5: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818
1: Cork's Red FM. Coming up on The Neil Prenderville Show, an Irish woman's story of the life in the fast lane.
9: We had this magical wedding coming up. Like, my life was
1: perfect. Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of euro. And then it turned to chaos.
6: I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. It the thing ever
1: had to do. A story of love and loss, and a man who needs to be heard to be believed.
7: Genius always say to me, You couldn't make
1: this up. You couldn't make this up. A brand new podcast series exclusively on The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Episode 2 of You Couldn't Make This Up after 11 o'clock this morning. You can text 86 pick up the phone on 818 It's some years since I last spoke to Tom Curran, the partner of the late Marie Fleming. We spoke on a number of occasions over the years. I believe that this is actually the 10th anniversary of her passing, and he joins me by phone. Tom, good morning. Good morning. And we have spoken several times, and we're getting closer and closer now to the Irish Dying with Dignity bill, before the doll and, and the Shannon, Isn't that the case?
10: Well, uh, I'd like to think that that was the case, but I'm, I'm afraid it's not quite as, as simple as that. Mm. Uh, I mean, 10 years ago, we, well, 11 years ago, in fact, we went to the High Court, but then we appealed to the Supreme Court, which was 10 years ago, 2013. Uh, and they in their judgment, said that there was a case to be answered, yeah. but that their only option was to strike out the law, which they, they wouldn't do, which I agreed with. They wouldn't do for fear of putting people in danger. But they put it back to the Iraq to, to change the law. And finally, after 10 years, they've set up uh, a committee, uh, a joint party committee, to look at the issue. But this will, like who-
1: yeah. But this will, if it does get across the line, will allow people... With terminal illnesses or unbearable conditions and pain, to request medical assistance to die.
10: Well, that, that that's the plan. Well, that is that is the long-term plan. Yeah. That has been the long-term plan, yeah. and that that should be the outcome. Yes. Yeah. Now, the, there, there will obviously be very strict conditions. Oh, totally. That you can apply? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And and again, I completely agree with that. Yes.
1: And and those conditions would be, and I'm just reading from some of the key points, would be that the person seeking assistance would have decision-making capacity of their own, would make a voluntary, clear and informed decision to end their life. It would require yes. two... Pick up on that, Tom, if you like. It would require two medical practitioners to assess the person. Am I right?
10: Well, the, the assessment really is, is the, the, the rationale. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I have a bit of a cold. But one of the things that I suppose that, that, that we need to be careful of uh, is the... the the, somebody being able to avail of this who doesn 't understand the consequence of what they 're asking for, and this, this is where the assessment and, and this should really be the only assessment as to whether the person understands the decision they 're making and understands the consequences of that and has the capability to understand that uh, the assistance part of it is necessary because provo- are getting or having a peaceful pain-free death is not as easy as a lot of people would think. You can't just swallow a packet of pills or prescription pills because almost nothing that you can get over the counter provides that safe death. Mm. And there's, there, there are several, I suppose, things that will. For instance, in Switzerland, it's, it's a, and in other countries around the world, but Switzerland being the one where people can travel to, uh, they use a specific substance called Nembutal. Yes. And that's administered either orally or through, through intra- intravenously. If... For people who are incapable of drinking, such as the way Mary was. Mary's right.
1: swallow had gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so the, the, I mean, the, that, that was the, multiple the exact... sclerosis, wasn't it, Tom? It was, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, if I remember years back, you, you said to me that it, it, it wasn't that Mary had a death wish. She, pick up on that even, she just wanted to control how she would ultimately pass, wasn't it?
10: Exactly. I mean, Mary loved life. Uh, there was no question that Marley had a death wish or was suicidal or anything of that. As Marley put it herself, uh, MS was taking away her life and was taking control of her life over the, over the, the, the long number of years that, that it progressed. Uh, but she didn't want it to take control of her death. She didn't want her prolonged, painful death. She didn't want her grandchildren to see her uh, go through this agony. And she didn't want to go through that agony herself. So she wanted to be able to decide that at a point when life, there was no life left for her, that the pain was too bad or that, that her, her conditions uh, didn't allow her to have a life that, that she felt was worth living, Yeah, that yeah. she wanted to stop. And it was as simple as that. As I say, she loved life. There was no question of yeah. having a death wish.
1: Yeah, I've seen many photographs of them, many with you. You were... Most definitely very much in love. And the, oh, photographs, the photographs showed the two of you so, so happy. And this big, massive, beaming smile <laughs> when she was capable of that. They would just light up a room, I would say, her smiles.
10: Well, she did. I mean, she, she, she had this incredible personality, which I fell in love with when I met her first. And I still love her,
5: of course. Yeah,
1: Tom... Are you more comfortable now talking about her actual passing? Because it was a stage years ago when I spoke to you about this that you couldn't or weren't because there were legal implications and there could have been a guard involvement. Are you more comfortable talking about her passing now?
10: Well, <clears throat> her passing was very personal. I mean, it, Mary's life was was her own. and And... <laughs> Her passing is not something that, I, that you know, I'd want a film made of or anything like that. She, she, she passed peacefully. She, she achieved what she wanted. Uh, she didn't have a prolonged painful death. It was time for her, as, as she said it herself, she was ready now, and she passed peacefully at home where she wanted to die. She didn't want to die in a hospice. She didn't want to die in a nursing home or, or in a hospital. She died peacefully in her own bed, Together, the two of us were there together, mm. uh, and and when that that's really because it's a personal issue. That's really as much as I, I like to say about it. If yeah, that's the way to put it.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. let, let me. Let if if let we me
10: wanted, go. if we wanted to be public, we'd invited everybody around. You know.
1: Yeah.
10: Sorry, yeah. I don't mean to be flippant, but you know.
1: No, no, I know. It's just that I read an article with Caroline Doherty where you were worried about a guard investigation, or even in fact, risking jail because. I, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to say the words of your involvement if you're yes. not comfortable. You know what I'm well, saying.
10: There, there, there was a guard investigation into it, and it went on for years. Yeah, and and the the, the 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 sad part about that was the guard investigation started three years after her death. Three years passed by before they decided to investigate. Yeah,
1: did that go and anywhere they,
10: ultimately? No, they 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 eventually said that there was absolutely no evidence, and it was closed now it it wasn't even put forward or put back as a you know a further case or you know that if other evidence comes up the case the i was told uh, that the case was closed
1: okay you know the with regards to assisted dying that that of course that would mean that somebody wouldn't have to go to Dignitas. they could stay exactly. and have the dignity here at home perhaps in their own home but it would be that 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 assistance would be with a doctor or GP, would it be difficult to find? Would there be conscientious objections from doctors, I wonder?
10: Not at all, no. Other countries where it works, and hold on, it doesn't necessarily have to be a doctor. In, for instance, in Switzerland, the doctors aren't involved at all. In, in, in Oregon, the doctors are only involved in prescribing the medication, whatever you want, want to call it. For want of a better term, yeah. Yes, prescribing the, the product. And because they control it, it needs to be controlled. It's not the sort of thing that you want available on, in the streets or in coffee shops or that sort of thing. So they have the control over the issue of it. And, and they, they issue the prescription. But doctors don't necessarily have to be involved.
1: But would there not need to be a third independent witness there, though, who, in, in the event of a, a change of mind at, at a last moment or something like that?
10: Well, all of those sort of things can be sorted out. And, and we don't, ha- you know, it's not as if we're reinventing the wheel. This is available in other countries. Switzerland is probably one of the best examples of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the way that they process it. It just happens to be that they, not only do they allow it for their own citizens or their own residents, but they allow people to travel. And that's very that's great that, that people do have a, a legal option to have this option, if that's the way to put it. Uh, but but they are a very good example of how it works. And and the Swiss people are very matter-of-fact. So there's, there's no... Uh, T is not crossed or I is not dotted and, and everything has to be done exactly as they say.
1: But here's the thing then, in the Netherlands I was reading recently that they are widening what they call euthanasia regulations to include the possibility of doctors assisting in the death of a terminally ill child. Yes. Um, yeah. What are your it's thoughts like that. on that? These would be children well, between 5 and 10.
10: Well, uh, it, it's not something that that I would certainly campaign for. Uh all I can say is that if that's their choice, that's their choice. Uh, but but we don't have to. I mean, just because uh, somebody there, there's a law somewhere. For instance, there are lots of laws about marriage. That doesn't mean that we have to have them here. Uh, just because they decide to implement it that way, we can make. Our, we we have the power ourselves to decide how this works and how it doesn't work, and and who had, would have access to it. Uh, so. We don't have to follow every, we can take. We can pick and choose the best bits of particular laws, as we do in an awful lot of cases, not just about this.
1: But for those that would say that this is not a good idea, right, let me just be yeah. one of those for a moment. They might of say, course, OK, yes. we can pick and choose what suits us now with regards to age and, uh, and condition, but that somewhere down the road it will be widened and more will be included and you will have... Um, you know all sorts of complicated issues then regarding, say, children or people who are are very old and can't make decisions for themselves. You know, what I, mean? I don't mean to be sound alarming, but we could end up there.
10: I appreciate that completely, but that is our decision. And there, again, I will come back to the example of other countries. There are lots of places that it has been brought in; that it's been brought in for years. For instance, Washington, Oregon, and this in, in America, and they haven't moved from their original. So it, it isn't necessarily that that this thing happens. This slippery slope, as it's called. Yeah. But yeah. we have the power to make sure that that doesn't. That, that happen, doesn't. That we don't go as far as want. other
1: countries, where, for instance, um, I, I did also read that um, it spoke about the law there in Netherlands already providing possibilities for euthanasia involving terminally ill babies until their first birthday. That 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 sounds very cold and cruel to me.
10: I I I couldn't agree with you more. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and do you see this ultimately being part of the statute here in Ireland? I, I do. Well, I
10: hope so. Yes, I do. Yes, mm. Mm. Uh, and and I, I suppose the reason I'm talking to you is that we're in Cork at an information meeting on on uh, Wednesday the thirty first in the Mel, in the Metropole Hotel at at seven thirty, and this is to to talk to with, with the ordinary people about their their fears on this uh, to dis, dismay those fears or or, or Let people air their views and and find out what this is really all about because there is a lot of scaremongering, like the thing about, oh, you know, we'll be killing two year old children and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and a slippery slope will will come in. That is not the case in most places that have legalised
3: it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I suppose we really, we all have to, and we can't do it, walk in the shoes of those in intolerable pain or with a terminal illness where they have no control over their own bodily functions and no hope of recovery. Um, yes. it, it's through those people's eyes, really, we need to appreciate this. Isn't it true? Well, it,
10: it, it is, of course, because, and it's them that we're legislating for, uh, to, for to give them a choice. And this is all about choice. This is really what it's about. That uh, There's a, a phrase, or, a, a, yeah, it is a phrase that, that was spoken by a, a, an American woman called Betty Rowland. And that is, if somebody wants to eke out every second of life, no matter how grim, that's their choice. But if somebody doesn't, that should be their choice. And we should we should help people that want to stay alive a hell of a lot better than we do. I mean, our, our, our end-of-life support system here has a lot to add.
1: Or palliative care, you're saying, is it? Yes, yes. Why do you say that? Well, pa- because,
10: it's, for instance, there's no palliative care nurse in Wicklow. It, 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 there's an awful lot more that could be done to help people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm very, very much involved in that area as well because, as I say, it's all about choice. A person who decides that they want to live should get the best possible assistance to do that. And but a person those... who doesn't yeah. should get the best possible assistance to do that as well. And,
1: and, and OK, wanting to, say, avoid a, a lingering death but no longer at some stage in the life being physically capable... of of taking their own life, would prepare in advance for all of this, is it?
10: Well, this is where the assistance comes in. Assistance is required for two reasons. One is that it's impossible to provide that peaceful, or practically impossible, to provide that peaceful, uh, painless death to yourself. And this is where the assistance comes in, to provide that means. But the second area where assistance is very important, is uh, where, where an illness takes away the person's capability to end their life themselves. Mm. Because they, we're talking about suicide. We're not talking
1: about euthanasia. Mm, which we're yeah. talking about. Which is no yeah, longer yeah, which, illegal or a criminal act, incidentally.
10: Well suicide is not. And that, that's the thing, that any rational person can legally take their own life. There is nothing that can be done to stop a rational person. The only thing that can be done to stop a person taking their own life, and this was established in the court. We have to establish this.
1: No, and can before, I just say for people listening, I'm only mentioning yeah, this point from the point of view of, of, a, course, the, yes. of it being decriminalised. I would not, in yeah, I, any way, shape, or form, want to advocate that people are saying that it should be considered considered as an option. Yeah.
10: No, nor, nor would I. Yeah. And 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 definitely, I I I work in both areas to help people people go through. Suicidal tendencies as well yeah yeah uh, because yeah. to me it 's about choice yeah. anyway, uh, getting back to that that the, the second bit is where a person where their illness takes away that capability themselves, so this is where the assistance comes in as well to provide them with that capability to, I, to act as their body for them
1: yeah, yeah, and have you over the years spoken with people who are um, in situations that Mary found herself in and continuing? To live a life with very little quality, which will continue to diminish. Have you met with people like that?
10: I have. It, 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 it's quite sad because I put myself out there as, as I suppose, a contact point, if that's the rule. I never thought I'd put myself as a contact point. But I get calls every month, every week from people who want to know how they can go about organising this, that they want to plan in advance. This is not from people who, who want to go tomorrow these are most of most of these situations are from people who are in similar situations to Mary. that they're looking to the future they know what the future holds for them and they don't want that Mm. and they want they want to know how they can go about Mm. planning like we did
1: and there's also people whom i know myself personally i think we all possibly know people who are not in this situation they don't have any diagnosis like this but they have said and people have said to me if i ever were I would yeah. certainly want to be able to take the step myself at a time that suited me.
10: Well, lots of people say to because they know I'm involved in this, people that I meet in this, not so much on the street, but meet over a drink or that sort of thing. That lots of people say that, that it should be available. And I would want it if I was in that situation. And hopefully they never will be. Uh, but that, that seems to be the, 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 the feeling of most people. It's important to is, talk about it. Again, wh- why Why the law should be there. Yeah. It should be allowed.
1: Yeah. It's important to talk about it, and you will be doing so this day week, May 31st, yeah. half past seven in the Metropole Hotel. It's open to the public. Just rock in. Is that the case? Absolutely, yes. yes. Okay. Be part I, of the and conversation.
10: I, I, and feel free to ask questions. Uh, you don't necessarily have to agree with my point of view. I'm quite prepared to talk. And I'm, I'm not the only person talking there. There will be medical people. Mm. So you said, about, you said about medical people, two doctors will be speaking at mm. it. Mm. Uh, but you said about getting the support of medical people. Most countries don't have a difficulty with that.
1: <gasps> and you wouldn't see an issue for Irish doctors prescribing this medication with the Hippocratic Oath and things like that, no?
10: No. Okay. no. I, I, okay. well, again, yeah. as I say, other doctors... We, there are do, There's an organisation here called Doctors in Support of MAID. MAID stands for Medical Assistance in Dying. And there's an organisation here called Doctors in Support of MAID. There
1: is, and they'll be on the panel on Wednesday, Irish Doctors Supporting MAID, a group of Irish doctors exactly. who believe in patient autonomy and choice. Listen, it's, it's, it's good to catch up. It's this day week at the Metropole, 31st of May at half past seven. Listen, thanks so much for taking the call Good to catch up, Tom. Nice chatting again. Good, lovely to talk to you again. Neil. All Thank the best. You. Take care. It's Tom Curran, text 868 I'm quite sure that people will have a thought on this topic of conversation, assisted dying. But can I just say there were some references, obviously, there to end of life and on one or two occasions, people who might be struggling with suicidal ideation. You can always call the Samaritans on 116-123, 123, 116 123. And Pieta House are always available on a cork number, 439 5333. 439 533. Back after the break.
5: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp, 086 8104 106. Gork's Red FM.
1: Somebody says, we was talking about the elderly and the impact of COVID, particularly within a particular age group earlier on this morning. When will you get it into your thick head about how our elderly people are treated by this state? cyclists are treated better. Thank you for that. Um, on the uh, sale of, uh, Debenhams, which originally, of course, is the old Roach's Stores building. It, it shouldn't really matter what's going on or going into the building on Patrick Street. It's creating jobs and bringing people into shops in the city center. It's a positive news story. Too many units are lying empty in the city. So whether it's a sports shop or an ice cream shop, etc. Or I suppose a donut shop. It's great news that another iconic unit is going to be filled in the city. It certainly is. And obviously it is great news. There's going to be a business in there. It's just some people were saying to me, do we need another sports shop? It sold actually to Elvery's for 12 million. The asking price was 20 million and they uh, got it for 12 million, a huge reduction on the asking price. But other, you know, other stores that aren't sports shops, but would stock some of the same things that already exist include Outdoor Adventure Store on Paul Street, uh, Matthews on Half Moon Street, John Buckley Sports on the Mulgrave Road, T.W. Murray's on Patrick Street, 53 degrees on uh, the Corn Market. It's 53 degrees north. But the sports stores that we do have in the city centre already include Common Sports on the North Main Street, Lifestyle Sports on Patrick Street, the old in the Capital Cinema Complex. JD Sports have two of them, Cook Street, and Patrick Street, opposite the new Elveries, which will go into Debenhams, and Intersport Elveries on Mailer Street. Um, so that's where we're at, and, and so that's what's going in there is a sports shop. It's an it's an enormous building, though. What will actually happen to the rest of it? Um, you know, the, because not not just the the ground floor footprint, but all all the upstairs stairs levels as well. We've had closures also of sports shops already on Leaside, Common Sports. Pulled out of Prince's Street this year. Well Sports shut down in 2018 after 22 years. Intersport Elveries took over Mars in 2015. And Finn's Corner on Washington Street, the Grand Parade Washington Street Junction, closed in 2020 after 140 years in business. So that's where you're at with that. But Elveries will take over the Debenhams building because they've just gone and bought it. Uh, it's an absolute disgrace that the GA won't take cash. I have a lot of elderly clients who only use cash and they've been boycotting games since the start. It's a disgrace that not even one gate can be left open for those who use cash. Another one here says, you can pay by card for the premium section in Porky Queeve on the day. Yeah, but we are talking about just a cash turnstile. Surely be to God, it can't be that much trouble for the GA to allow one. Um, another one or two then is anyone watching uh, every week actually i'm just going to read a few of these with regards to donal are you having a laugh someone pretends to quote and what you said puts their own spin on it i 100% agree with donal he gave so much to this county and someone uh, like the presenter uh, gets worked up lads if someone misquoted neil i don't think you guys would have the same opinion if you're going to quote anyone and you're having an argument about your opinion the very least you could do is quote whoever you are arguing with correctly Not to fit your own agenda, but quote, word for word. Maybe then you can argue your own corner. Well, I played both versions of it and it did sound the same to me. Um, If it had been a male presenter and not Joanne Cantwell, I don't think people would be so quick to defend her. It sounded like a school teacher scolding a school kid, says Kay. Logue loves the sound of his own voice and Joanne Cantwell is no better. Bring on Jackie Hurley. It's a selection of text for you. And one or two more. You and the rest of the media warned about the after effects of locking down our country back a few years ago. Anyone that brought it up was labelled a conspiracy theorist and an anti-va- anti-vaxxer. The media are as much to blame for the consequences as the government that imposed the measures. Somebody suggesting that the media ended up as being the mouthpiece for Tony Holohan and the government. Uh, that's again a reference to uh, the consequences of COVID For the elderly, and you know, many who couldn't get out for two or two and a half years, and it had a, and some aren't even gone back out yet, it had a terrible effect on their cognitive skills, you know, their psychological well-being text 0868104106 can I, can I just stay briefly with um, sports related matters there's a big game coming up uh, tomorrow morning down in Parky Cueve, it involves uh, the North Mon Primary um, but there's one spoke in the wheel here that's uh, come off and we need to see if we can help them, Carlo O'Brien is the principal of the Mon Primary, Car, good morning
11: Good morning, Neil. How are you keeping
1: thanks today? For, thanks for stepping out. Um, what's the game first that's on down in Parky Greve?
11: Yeah, we're in the Iskina Skull Hurling final tomorrow and we're playing glasheen Boys School and uh, we've had a, a bit of bad luck, I suppose you might say, uh, in that there was a double booking of buses and it seems to be impossible to get a bus in the city to take the lads, the,
1: the team down from the North Monastery All right. down to Parky Greve. OK, so oh, it's, um, oh. it's a Iskina Skull Hurling match. It's... Um, it's a real humdinger because it's a north side south side clash, right?
11: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Ourselves against the boys from Glasheen, yeah. So it is kind of a, a real north side south side uh, local <laughs> derby. The lads are very excited, as you can imagine now. Um, <laughs> So, look, it's a bit of a disappointment that the, the booking didn't work out. So if we could, if there was any bus company who could jump on board, it would be brilliant.
1: How have you been calling bus companies, Carl?
11: We have, yeah. It's amazing. Um, I suppose, look, it's a tough time of the year. There's a lot of things going on and there's school tours and stuff like that as well. So a lot of companies seem to be very busy. It seems to be very hard to get a bus. But, look... Um, what you call it? Hopefully, somebody might be listening, and they might uh, be willing to jump on board and give us a hand. Like, let's
1: know? get the shout out there. If there's a bus company or yeah. somebody with a bus with the correct insurance on it, how many? How many seats? What kind of a cedar bus are you looking for?
11: We'll be looking. We'll be looking for a sixty-seater, as really for supporters as well, and all the rest of it. You know, a sixty-seater uh,
1: bus to be. Yeah, a, yeah.
11: A, yeah go on. I know you're past pupil Neil, and yeah. uh, we <laughs> boys and girls here now, so it is. It's, uh, it's a it's changed school, so It's a changed world.
1: world. I didn't go to the primary. I did go to the secondary, where yeah. where hurling, of course, was just the it was the god of the secondary in the North Mon, particularly if you were um, a handy hurler and you were on the hearty so, team. Is that still the same? Yeah.
11: Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose all the fresh air up here in the North Mon, the North side, like uh, keeps everybody fit and <laughs> active as well. Like you I, know.
1: Well, I just remember in secondary school that any any. Of the lads that I was in school with, they were, if they were on the hearty team, they were treated with kid gloves. They were like gods. <laughs> <laughs> they could do no wrong. <laughs> I'd say
11: that some of them are still walking here on the north side. I'd say it's so. you know?
1: <laughs> All right. So you, you need you need a big bus. You wouldn't yes. consider walking. We we did we timed the walk from the North Mon yeah. to Greve It's a fifty-three minute walk at leisure. It is. It <laughs>
11: is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of the supporting kids could walk down we're just the team themselves I suppose we, 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 won't, we, won't, we won't ask the team to actually walk well I know? mean it's
1: going to be a very sunny day are you afraid you might tire them out <laughs> well yeah I'd say
11: like we want to make sure now they're match fit because uh, the lads down in Glashine I'm sure now will be coming uh, ready for action you know
1: Gashin so didn't have a problem with the double booking bus no <laughs> as far as I know as
11: far as I know it could be outside, it could be a Southside contractor as well no we won't go to yeah.
1: that uh, place, no? I'd say I'd say it's the Southside has sabotaged your booking <laughs> <laughs> all right okay back on about that deal all right I'm only winding you up so we need a bus right. tomorrow morning what time and where
11: well, if the bus could be here for nine o'clock, that would be brilliant. you know? OK,
1: OK. No problem with paying for it, I assume, no?
11: <laughs> well, oh, look, I'll tell you now, we'll uh, we'll gather up all the pennies for that one,
1: definitely. <laughs> right, you <know>? Well, listen, <laughs> let's get the shout-out there. Nine o'clock at the Northmont to take the team down uh, to Parky-Gweave. Do you, do you need the bus to get them home again or what? <laughs> we won't worry about
11: coming home tonight or tomorrow night, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: okay. You'll be too busy celebrating, is it? Absolutely, absolutely. Dear. All right. Okay, well listen, best of luck to you as an ex mon boy you. myself. Best of luck. All right. Let's I see appreciate that. Let's see if somebody comes back with a bus, I'll let you know if it happens, Carl, all right. Absolutely. Thank you, Neil. OK, Manabu, Carl O'Brien, Manabu. Principal of the Mon Primary, is looking for a bus tomorrow morning to get the hurlers down to the Skeena Scala at Park Uquive. Nine o'clock. Has anybody got a bus or a coach? Has anybody involved in the business that might be able to squeeze them in? It's just an hour, lads. You'll be up there at nine. You'll be finished at
5: ten. I think it would be a wonderful thing if we could sort it. Get in touch. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104
1: 106. Red FM. I'm going to put a poll uh, on our Twitter page page a little later on with regards to assisted dying following my conversation with Tom Curran a little later on it will appear on Twitter and you can vote as to whether or not you would be in favour of legislation allowing for assisted dying in the Republic of Ireland incidentally uh, I would also like you to text on that as to whether you have an opinion on Assisted Dying Legislation. Text 0868104106. After 11 this morning, uh, episode two of you couldn't make this up. Um, some texters say saying to me, where can we find yesterday's uh, episode one? Somebody here says, I missed 10 minutes at the start and I want to catch up before today's episode. Um, that's not possible Um, But it will be possible on the 31st of May, this day week, when we will be uploading all episodes of You Couldn't Make This Up uh, as a podcast. So all seven episodes will be available this day week on the Go Loud app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There will be a little recap at the start of episode two, just after 11, and that may well help. Uh, But unfortunately, um, there isn't a replay of episode one until it's loaded as a podcast uh, text 0868104106 for all other business um, I didn't mention this in the papers this morning because I knew I would be chatting uh, with um, um, with Philip Stokes with regards to the repair of Mangan's clock I'm just actually while I'm talking I'm reading the article in this morning's Echo Fabulous clock face, but uh, it needed work. It needed TLC. He did the same actually with the clocks up in Shandon. So he's the go-to guy on Lee side when it comes to some of our iconic clocks and what have you. And he joins me by phone. Philip, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Fair play to you, boy. Just wanted to say well done. I I hear when you opened it, you found a slitter inside it. Is that right?
8: Yes. Yeah. Um, when we when we started working it, well, there was a hole in the face up up, up high on the face of a small hole. Uh, well, about a. Six inch hole uh, in the face face in the river, and um when we took it apart, yeah, we found the the cause the culprit which was a, a slitter um which something fella obviously had popped against the face and gone through um so yeah, yeah, we found this, and we we have it in the shop, we're still waiting for the the owner to come and collect this. But, oh uh, listen,
1: yeah, I'd love to know who that is, what kind of an idiot <laughs> decided to either pocket or throw it at a beautiful clock like that, but you did you did you did yeah. the repair but it took it took a long time though is it a very intricate piece of kit, is it?
8: Um, well, no, it's well, it is. It, it's it's more everything you see. There's nothing available off the shelf for those type of things. So yeah, we had to just take away a lot of it. It hadn't had anything done to it for, for a few years, and all the gearings had seized up. So we'd take taken away and clean ah, them, and stop. just restore them and things. And then there was a, one or two small bits that were damaged, so we had to just remake them. And so you you
1: would to, make you would make the parts for it. Like you can't order them from yeah. Switzerland, rather you have to yeah. actually build them. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, The
8: fellows who made that, uh, I tell you, are are six foot under. Unfortunately, um, the 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 Mangan's, uh, all their craftsmen who made those originally. Yes, um, yeah. There's nothing available off the shelf. So what we what
1: what do we know about Mangan's? This was a family-run business, wasn't it? For yeah, like nearly two hundred years of bones of it.
8: Yeah, yeah. They were top class in fairness. They they were probably the main main operators in Cork and Munster and, and things. But, I mean, they made Shandon, uh, which was, in its day, the, the largest lock in Europe, I think, in its day. And um, they did get a shot at quoting to make Big Ben, but they never got appointed, as they say, probably coming from the wrong, the wrong side of the, 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 the water for,
1: to get the job. <laughs> so they actually yeah. built the four-faced liar then?
8: Yes, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they. Um, they in fairness, they, it was a, a fair feat of engineering in those days. Even yeah.
1: mm, getting it up there, yeah. So, yeah, how old yeah. is Mangan's clock?
8: Yeah, I well, to be honest, I don't know the exact date, but I reckon I reckon it's there since since before the the burning of Cork and things like that. So I could tell a few stories. You know, it's I reckon it's probably early early 1900s, but I'm not honestly sure. Um, it's because uh, it's you see it on a lot of the old pictures yeah. and things. All right. But, what uh, drives it, I, Philip? Well, it's now electrically driven. I mean, originally, um, the the the, um, the the works when Mangan's shop, which is it was where the entrance to to Merchant's Key is, uh, Mangan's jeweler shop was there, and the, the mechanism that drove it was was down there, and it used to go under the footpath, the gearing, and up through the pillar. But now it's And they wound the it
1: inside. Is then is it?
8: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fair fair achievement, in fairness, because there would have been a a, a lot of loss of power going driving out to it and up and into it you know strong um, arms to do that I think think the old lighting in it would have been gas lighting because when you look at the very top of it now we put a new finial on the top there when we did it um, because the old one has gone but that's more like a chimney flue that I'd say it was gas lighting in there originally I see
1: it in the photograph yeah I see you up there with Emma oh
8: yes yeah my little my little cherub yeah my 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 daughter
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, a yeah. it's a beautiful it's a beautiful car was was that moved at one stage um no,
8: no, I think it's always been there no, I must have dreamt right that it it yeah, seemed to yeah. i
1: don't know was it in i always think it was maybe twenty or thirty feet down the street, no, it's always been the same no. place.
8: Yeah, yeah, because it was directly outside the, the
1: entrance to Mangan, so yeah, no, it would have been there all the time originally, yes. And it's back to its yeah. former glory, it it didn't resist the challenge, like?
8: No, no, it was tricky in a way because, yeah, we it's now converted to electric, so we had to adapt a lot of bits into the pillar uh, where before the, the original stuff was... External to it. So, yeah, it is, you know, but a lot of, most of it's the original, um, the faces and the, the gearing. It's going so important. It isn't
1: yeah, it's so important. I yeah. mean, you are right. Owen yeah. Kelleher in The Echo this morning says okay. that it survived revolution, it survived the burning yeah. of cork, it survived the civil war. Uh, and many, mm. many people uh, went courting mm. and had their first date under Mangan's clock, I believe, yeah?
8: Oh I'd say so, yes, yeah. I'd say could tell a few stories, yeah. Oh yeah. that's a beautiful Unfor- thing. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately the last few years it was only being used for putting posters and things on it. So hopefully now there won't be fellas going around sticking uh, their
1: yeah.
8: their event posters up in it. Well, with, uh, that, should be, that should be that should be made
1: a crime. Mm, it, yeah. Listen, yeah. um how are the how are the clocks on Shandon doing? It's been a few months yeah. since I was up there, but is yeah. one of them stopped?
8: Yes, it is unfortunately. Yeah, it is stopped for a while. Yeah, it's um, there's some of the stonework in the building. Unfortunately, it's it's quite fine stone, small small stone up there, and it's um, uh, the mortar in it has dried out, and some of the, the mountings and the fixings have um, have have um, moved. So yes, one of one 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 gearing has moved quite a bit. So that's why one side one facing Patrick's Hill is out of out of action and has been years. for quite so, some, some time, I think. It has, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. It's. Uh, um, I, I, I'm not sure. Unfortunately, it's it's well above my pay
1: grade. What, I what know, the but I feel, another, I feel another. I feel another campaign coming on, like we did the last time. Do you?
8: That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it something. But I, unfortunately, it's, it's it's it needs external work as well, which so it, it's it's. Um, it's not a case of just doing the doing the faces or doing the movements. This time. The, some of the faces need to—they're looking very shabby and they need to be um, fixed. And, and the no, numbers, need, some of those numbers, are, it needs—it needs fairly serious. That uh, needs
1: that needs to be on. given ongoing TLC and given the well, respect that it deserves.
8: Yeah, it does because uh, considering it's the emblem of Cork and things, it's it's actually. Terrible that, that it's not prioritized in that sense. But, okay.
1: Okay. Uh, okay. But you well, you're it? you're the man for the job and maybe a couple <laughs> of plasters <laughs> or stonemasons, whatever uh, when it comes to it. I'm gonna put in a query to Cork City Council as to whether they're even aware that one of the four faced liars has been stopped yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah. But you're the man for the job. It's good to catch up oh, with you again, sorry. Philip
8: lovely look after yourself Thank you, too, you my much. man take yeah. care of yourself Philip yeah. Stokes and his daughter
1: Emma Stokes and of course there's the clock and watchmakers on McCurtain Street and they've did the work on Shandon before just done the work on Mangan's clock it's a beautiful clock it's just gorgeous um, but let's get a let's get a, a query into Cork City Council as to whether they're aware of it surely somebody is and what their plans are with regards to what they're going to do with it after 11 episode 2 you couldn't make this up Coming up on the Neil Prendeville Show, an Irish woman's story of a life in the fast lane.
9: We had this magical wedding coming up, like my life was perfect.
1: Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of euro. And then it turned to chaos.
6: I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. Exactly. The thing they've ever had to do.
1: A story of love and loss, and a man who needs to be heard to be believed.
7: Jamie used to always say to me, You couldn't make this <laughs> up.
1: Catch the new podcast You Couldn't Make This Up on the Neil Prendival Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM and listen to the entire series from Wednesday 31st of May on the Go Loud app and wherever you get your podcasts.
5: The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM
1: And by text, to those taking part in the Talton Cup itself It's the same as the Munster final to them Having played in a so-called weaker hurling county myself, Derry It's a disgraceful comment for Donalogue to make These people are playing our national games and they need respect This is to do with the comment that uh, he made along the lines of Gaelic football, that the Talton Cup is Gaelic football's grand national for disappointed also rans. Donald says with regards to people who are struggling financially, I can't believe that people are being advised on how to check where their money is going. It's very easy. It's going on gas, electricity, rent, mortgage, food, clothing, also on motoring expenses for a car to be able to go to work for money to pay all those high bills. There's not much left to plan with after that. We're back fifty years in this country to when people were living to work. May God help people. Keeping going, I agree with you 100. It It is very depre- depressing. It really and truly is. It would make you very, very angry, actually, and it's it's understandable why people are. Many people are are bitter at the divisiveness of Irish society these days. Um, uh, on other issues involving um, assisted death, and uh, you know, my conversation with Tom Curran. We'll come back to that. Can I just, can I just mention, actually, because we, we were talking about Mangan's clock and we were talking then about the four-faced four-face liar of Shandon. These are iconic structures, um, the clock, um, Mangan's, Shandon. But so is the shaky bridge. And I saw a story this morning, a court report from Liam Healan says a man charged with causing criminal damage to the shaky bridge at Cork's Mardyke um, by spray painting it has appeared before the Cork District Court, a fellow called Barry O'Brien from Fair Hill. It's alleged that Mr O'Brien was found in possession of 20 cans of spray paint and that there was a a strong smell of cannabis from him at the same time. Now, he was charged with causing criminal damage... To the amount of one thousand euro and possession of two hundred and forty euro worth of cannabis for his own use, now that case is is going forward uh, for trial it will be if it will be contested though I believe obviously so we'll have to let that take its course but that 's just another story for you. We go from um, mangans to the four faced liar uh, to an allegation of somebody. Uh, spray painting and damaging uh, the shaky bridge lines are open you can pick up the phone on 0818 104 106 you can text 086 8 106 the
5: neil brendeville show on cork's red fm our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106 Things really starting to hot up on you couldn't make this up.
1: That was episode two, episode three airs tomorrow morning just after 11 o'clock. And on Friday, um, pardon me, on, on Wednesday of next week, the 31st of May, all seven episodes will have aired on air. And then I will upload them on to the loud app, uh, onto Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then they'll all be available as one lot all seven episodes episode three tomorrow now uh, back to a story from earlier on this morning the Northmont Primary are playing Glashine Boys in the senior premium sorry the senior premier uh, hurling final down at Porky Cueve it's the Schkeen-Escola final as I was saying earlier on it's a north side south side clash the southsiders have their own bus but the northsiders haven't there was confusion over a double booking and we were mad keen to try and find them a coach every single time I ask Carney's coaches for any anything they never ever let me down and it's absolutely great uh, to be joined on air by linda carney linda good morning
0: hi Neil. good morning here
1: how are you i have carl o'brien the principal of the mon primary morning carl hi Neil. hi again have you, uh, have, absolutely brilliant. Have yeah. you good news from linda carney i have some great news from carney hang on let, they let's are, see let's see what let's see what yeah let's hear what linda has to say of course yeah
0: well, to be honest with you, I I didn't know anything until I turned on my Facebook this morning and my Facebook was hacked. But I was running off an old account. And what my gooders- really? Yeah. Oh what? yeah. God. Yeah. This was obviously meant to be. So a good friend of mine from school, Brexney Rattley, she had hacked me in a Stevie G post. Stevie so- G
1: was on board with this very early, looking for the coach. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He was so- has he got a he got has he got, a, has
1: he got, a, has he got a someone playing in the game or what?
11: God, I, don't know. Um, that sounds, I think, I just, I think he, uh, he's very interested I think in the North like, you fairness know?
1: Alright, okay, so Stevie G got on to as well then, Linda, right, where are we at now? Have you a coach?
0: I think, I think my husband Roy was on to one of the lads there James, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he, he, he said he started it, yeah
1: So, so you, we got a 60-seater tomorrow morning
11: uh, We got a 60-seater yep. nila, which is brilliant from Carnies which is absolutely <laughs> wonderful like,
1: you know <laughs>
0: There's my husband with the red cape again.
1: There you go. Every single time we ask, carnies are always willing and able to help out. So this is a listen, mean.
0: If we can, we always will. You know, if, and I said that to CVG. I said, listen, if we can help, we'll we'll do it a heart and a half. Well done, know?
1: well done. You shifted well, things around because I hear it's mad busy. Is it?
0: Absolutely. I actually have to take a photograph of my husband around with me because I don't, I don't see him no more. He's literally <laughs> flat to the mat at this stage. he want to get his go.
1: work-life balance sorted, girl. Is,
0: I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's definitely. There's fun. no hitch
1: with a horse, nor is there a hitch with a coach. <laughs> there you go. Well,
0: listen, we're, I'm delighted that we're able to help out. Fair so, play, uh, fair play. Ten yeah, out of ten. Thank great. you so much. Listen, well yeah. done,
1: Linda. Oh. Thanks. So you know the time. What time Thank do they need you. to be there, Carl? They would we'll be leaving around nineish
11: to be there. To be there, uh, to be there it's around half nineish. That's the yeah. kind of time we. Bring. Ah, but you got flag- to you gotta get flags. The, the, it, you got to get flags up on it and bunting. and everything though. You
1: got to get the flags up on it and the bunting.
11: There are, there are a couple of fellas here at the moment now organizing flags and bunting and a couple of families were, a, a couple of families have phoned in the school there saying that the only way to get anything done in cock is to
1: get on Neil the you know? <laughs> there you go. Fair play. <laughs> All right. Well Linda, thank you so much from the bottom call. of my it heart. Very yet nice you, again. Linda. Over to you, Carl, and over to the team. Go get Best the victory. Get the victory. Absolutely. Thank you, Neil. Have a gra- it's gonna really be a lovely it's gonna be it a lovely day for the match as well. I hope it won't be too hot, will it? No?
11: No, 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 don't worry. There's plenty, there's plenty the, the water here on the north side. is very good. It refreshes very quickly.
1: <laughs> you got it from our ladies' well. It's a magic brew. <laughs> we, won't give, we won't give away our secrets now, but you're right, very well, listen, there. We'll yeah. all be watching that match closely. So, well done. Delighted for you. Coach will be there. Have a great day. Von a boo, my friend. God <laughs> Margaret.
5: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM, And
1: also with the fabulous weather we're having at the moment, and it would be great if we have a superb summer, you have an opportunity on Friday, courtesy of ourselves, in Wood Garden Centre and Café in Castle Martyr to score for yourself a super deluxe Weber Genesis gas grill barbecue. If you were to buy this, it would cost you €1,900. Euro. It's everything you need uh, for the back garden or whatever the case may be. You can... Uh, <laughs> you can... Cook your breakfast on it. You can roast chicken on it. You can make pizza on it. <laughs> it's a must have summer machine. And as I was saying earlier in the week, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Bluetooth as well. So that's given away on the air on Friday morning, courtesy of yourselves and Castle and Carew Woods. Carol Woods. Um, garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Martyr. They're in there behind a fabulous 19th century walled garden. It's a family business. Everything goes on behind the walled garden. So that's on Friday. But talking about walled gardens, from one walled garden to another, uh, I was saying on the air yesterday, or maybe yeah, maybe it was Monday, that we have three different communities now who really are pushing back. And trying to do the best they can for their local community. One is Blackpool with regards to Bus Connect. The other is Douglas with regards to Bus Connect. And the third is in and around the Beaumont area. Again, very much to do with Bus Connect. But I mentioned the whole wall garden. Um, This is the wall garden up. By Beaumont School, which originally was the Beaumont house estate of the Beamish family. So this massive big wall garden area. I remember when we were kids, we used to slog apples over the wall there. Um, But in there, of course, there's this massive decommissioned reservoir. Um, And they were promised it there for a community garden, right, by Cork City Council. And now everything's getting a bit touchy-feely and shady about that offer because it seems as if Bus Connect wanted for a car park so there was a gathering yesterday last night I couldn't make it because I couldn't get away from things I had to do for 7 o'clock last night but a lot of the community got together and they got inside the the wall into what would have been Beamish's walled garden where they had all their vegetables and their fruit and what have you for a long, long, long long time and amongst them was local resident Joe Goodyear from Beaumont Residents Association Joe, good morning
9: Good morning, Neil. Thanks I, for having me on the programme.
1: I, I, hope I, I hope I've hope i painted an accurate picture, picture. Correct me if I have, if I haven't.
9: Um, basically, yeah, we had been in discussion with the Water Department of the City Council, who own the land. Um, what seems to have happened is that, um, you know, there's maybe been a little bit of less communication within the City Council and one part didn't know what the Water Department had been talking about with us. Um, one hand, so,
1: left hand, right hand, okay, not knowing. Okay. Yeah, all right, okay, yeah,
9: okay. yeah, J- just that communication issue. So um, Bus Connects didn't actually realise that that area was of huge interest to the residents of Beaumont. So they thought, grand, it's open land, we can do something with it. So we met with them yesterday and just kind of informed them about where we were at. with the Have whole they thing.
1: backed off with their proposal? Um
9: We are, they're certainly now apprised of what is going on. Um, and, you know, they can see that there's value in having the community garden there for the local residents, for the local schools, you know, for everybody. And, you know, we've also been able to point out to them that um, putting a car park in there might actually lead to a lot of antisocial behaviour right next to houses as well. So we, they are meeting us um, next week actually on site because we found out that they'd not actually set foot in the site. Oh, sure. And yeah. they seem to think it was flat. Sure, a lot of the plans, a
1: lot of the plans. I mean, this isn't free you to yeah. respond to but my criticism a lot of these decisions are made in dublin and nobody actually walked any of the routes but go on anyway
9: well the, this is exactly what what has been happening here they've been looking at maps and going well oh, there's space here and they don't realize that there's a significant incline um and quite quite starting. a lot of uh, uneven ground and it would take quite a lot of work including removing the water tower to actually make a car but you would have there, to so remove
1: that water tower anyway would oh, you? you
9: would you would bit by bit through um, the Balling Lock Pitch and Puck car park is the route they're suggesting for that. They don't want to disrupt the Gerrington estate residence, which is great, but it means they'd be taking down a section of the wall that dates back to before the 1820s um, when it was built as part of the Beaumont House estate um, to access that and also take a small corner of the Balling Rock Pitch and Puck club grounds as well to yeah. provide that access route yeah. in doing that. And certainly for the removal stage, they'd also block the pedestrian route into Beaumont Park from that side, which, of course, is a drop off point for um, school children from both the Boys and Girls National okay, School but
1: there. there. OK, there, there are other you know issues to no. deal with in the future, but you want yeah. it as a communal garden area, is it?
9: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And
1: what would people grow there?
9: Um, all sorts of things I mean we we know from having been able to go into the site recently there are actually some old apple trees remaining from the kitchen gardens that were there so we'll be looking to actually graft them and keep those heritage apple trees I've eaten those
1: apples when I was a kid very good are they nice oh fantastic I didn't know that the trees were like 150 180 years old though
9: I'm not, I'm not sure that they're that, quite that old because apple trees really don't produce at that age. So we're going to be keeping an eye on this one. It might have actually been a seedling from apples that were dropped and have grown on. There so we're, we're, we're going to investigate are, that.
1: Are there, are there, but there are still apple trees there.
9: Yes. And they flowered this year. Yeah. Um, Pound to be original. Why else
1: would they be in there? I mean, that's, that's, you know. That's
9: it. This is it. They may just be a seedling from an apple dropped rather than the original trees, but they're still there. So we would love to be growing fruit trees, fruit bushes, vegetables, um, perennial um, plants. You know, we would love it to be not just a productive garden for food, but also a beautiful place for local residents to come and sit and spend time and whole community events as well.
1: You You gotta make this happen, Joe. What was the turnout like last night?
9: We had around fifty people out last night, yeah. and that doesn't include people who I've taken into the garden at other points in time. So there's huge interest. We've now got about forty people in the community garden WhatsApp group. So these are the people who are actively wanting to be on the ground with the tools out in the garden, getting things done. We've huge support from the schools and the residents' association uh, and people in the locality because the schools yeah. would like to be using that space totally. too because yeah. it's safe and enclosed, we're hoping to put a sensory garden in, we're hoping to basically have an outdoor classroom and some wild areas. It's, it's a huge, huge resource and opportunity Just for as,
1: historically, you Historically, you're a professional, qualified medical herbalist and a botanist and a horticulturist and what have you. What, what do you yeah. think the has grew there?
9: Oh, great question. Well, we know, um, both from people who used to climb the walls not so long ago, like yourself, <laughs> that there were glass houses, in the um, wall garden and you can actually see the remnants of a couple of accesses to what would have been boiler houses underground under those greenhouses so that means at one point they had heated greenhouses that could have been growing you know exotic foods like peaches and pineapples there. and that was certainly the fashion for wealthy people it, at it, the pineapple
1: time. was the status symbol for the wealthy on lisa that if they could import Absolutely. it and put one on their dining room table they were very posh
9: Absolutely. Well, potentially, they were trying to grow them there because it looks like they had heated greenhouses. So they would have had all kinds of fruit within that. They would have had um, grapes and peaches and almonds and things like that going on. And outside, it was a six-acre wall garden and so they would have had all your standard crops for feeding in a whole estate worth of people. So you would have had your potatoes and carrots and cabbage and so forth, but you'd have also had greens and um, who knows, parsnips, the whole kit and caboodle. I'm actually in touch with um, a local food historian who's hopefully going to fill in some of those gaps for us because we'd really love to be growing some of the heritage vegetables that would have been appropriate for the as it, well. I think
1: it would be a great way to round the circle mm-hmm. back to the origins of Beaumont. There are no foundations, though, of the house. Um, Nothing evident anyway, is there? I mean, I could never find it. No.
9: As far as I know, it was burnt down in the 20s and the site of the house is now where the Beaumont schools stand. So that's why you won't see anything because there's under a lot more building material. I see. Um, I see. see. So, yeah, there's nothing above ground apart from the walled garden. Um, There was an ice house, but that um, was removed when they created Beaumont Quarry. I was under where the ice house was. When you is- say
1: an ice house, what did did that make ice? Forgive me.
9: Um, no, it's where they stored ice. It, it was basically what we did before we had fridges. If you had a big estate and could afford uh, afford an underground store, cold storage of food, then you'd bring in ice, you'd store your food in this cool underground place so it didn't go off. Um, but again, only available to the big houses.
1: Only available to the very wealthy. Well, listen, <laughs> I hope you stay in touch in the coming weeks and months with regards to your progression and and your success hopefully ultimately in, in getting what you wish because it would be great for the local community it really would wouldn't it oh, it, would, it would be
9: amazing Neil I mean it, yeah. it, it would be so beneficial all the way around we will definitely stay in touch and you know thanks for bringing us on to no, talk about it no it's lovely again.
1: and it's also lovely on behalf of my late mother because she was one of the founding members of the Beaumont Resident Association when, ah. those, ha- when those houses were fir- first built way back in the early 60s so there you go yes listen yeah. good oh, to catch up good. listen nice talking to you we'll be nice uh we'll be chatting again joe as things go ahead all right i hope
9: so i hope so neil thanks for that
1: bye joe goodyear over in beaumont neil by text you know these bus corridors that they are putting into cork they've not provided details to the public like private cars or people living on these routes or people who pass through won't be allowed to use their private cars on these corridors even people who live there well an awful lot of spaces are going to be gone um from the from the roads like because uh, it'll be a, it'll be a, many of them will be thoroughfares and like I know for instance on the Douglas road where there would be parking for the chemist for instance or um Nick Flynn's GP sur- sur- surgery areas is like that all gone. Um, but anyway, listen, just before I go for the day that's in it, there's a big event coming up in the Everyman. Uh, it's called Jokes for Stroke. Uh, it's in aid of the Cork Stroke Support. They're a charity based in Mahan, um, set up in 2010 in St. Finbarr's Hospital. Um, and they do Trojan work providing great services for stroke survivors and their families now there's only a handful of tickets available for Jokes for Strokes and uh, Cork's got a great comedy scene and those involved in this gig are Chris Kent he's put together the funniest crew for this one off show um, and he will be joined by our very own Red FM's Laura O'Mahony with Andrew Ryan Sinead Quinlan Bernard Casey and a host of others and they have all um, waived their fees for this gig tomorrow night at the Everyman um, and all of the funds will go directly to Cork Stroke. Support. There's only a handful of tickets left for tomorrow night's gig. You can get them at everymancork.com. But I have a pair of tickets to give away on today's show right now. We'll take caller 10 on 0818104106. It's on in the Everyman tomorrow night if you can go. So don't call unless you can definitely go because these will be in big demand. Call at ten oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Well done to all of the comedians who are giving their time free. It's a wonderful gesture and a lovely thing to do. For all of the business, we'll pick it up in the morning. You can text 0868 104 106. You can email neil at redfm.ie and indeed you can pick up the phone on 0818 Can I also say congratulations to Strand United and Vickerstown on winning promotion to the Cork AUL Premier, Premier A-League for next year. A great achievement on the 40th anniversary of the club. And that's from a loyal supporter and a loyal listener. A little later on, we will put up a poll. Just curious, I just want to feel the temperature of Cork people with regards to assisted dying. Following my chat with Tom Curran, you'll have an opportunity to comment or indeed vote as to whether or not, if we put up an opinion poll piece, uh, how many people in Cork would be in favour or not in favour of assisted dying legislation. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For
0: more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.